This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. There are times in our lives when we come to God with things that are a bit confusing. But we really don't understand what God is up to. And this is not reserved just for the new believer or for someone who just comes to know Christ, who has not yet got to understand how God works or his ways. But rather, even even those who are mature and walking with the Lord can experience times where they see things happening and they don't fully understand what God is up to. I want to share with you what I believe God wants us to see Uh, From a few portions of scripture, beginning in the book of Habakkuk. If you turn with me, please, to the book of Habakkuk. And in the setting that we're going to read about here, Habakkuk was experiencing a very turbulent time for his nation. God had shared with him that the challenges were, were coming and He poured his heart out to God and he had said, Lord, what is going on here? And it appears like you are using uh, these heathen nations and they are overwhelming your people that we are about to be destroyed. He asks of God in the end of chapter one, he says, will you let them get away with this? Will they succeed forever in their heartless conquest as the enemies of God were uh, ruling over and taking over God's precious people and Habakkuk says in the next chapter, chapter 2, verse 1, I'm going to climb up on my watchtower and stand at my guard post, and there I will wait to see what the Lord says and how he will answer my complaint. Whenever you face a situation that you don't fully understand what's going on, the best thing to do is to come before God and to say, Lord, this is my question. Would you please help me to understand what your will is in all of this? And then simply wait upon the Lord. The scripture says that when we seek the Lord, we will find him if we search for him with all of our heart. That is a promise, friends. God has not said that he's going to play games with us, that somehow he's trying to hide from us and we have to play hide and go seek. But he has told us, if you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. And that's a great encouragement, especially when you sense in your natural senses that it seems like God is far away. God has made this promise to every single one of us. Habakkuk knew this promise. And so he said, I'm going to climb to my watchtower and I'm going to watch and see what the Lord will respond. Notice that Habakkuk knew that God would respond. It was simply a matter of time. When you come before the Lord and you ask God something, God hears you. He's not deaf. He hears you. Yet sometimes in our human nature, uh, we feel that maybe God hasn't heard us. We must remember God always hears our prayers in the sense of understanding that we asked him something. But when we're talking about hears in the sense of we have not received an answer yet, that's something different. Sometimes the answer takes a little bit of time. And so God is at work 
when it appears like the answer hasn't come yet. The Lord responds to Habakkuk in verses 2 and 3. It says, then the Lord said to me, write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. This vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place it will not be delayed. When God speaks a word, God's word will always be fulfilled. It is just a matter of time. When God speaks a specific word to you, maybe for you or for your family, maybe for your business, maybe it's for your community. If God has spoken a word to you and it takes a while to happen, it's simply because God is preparing something. When God told Abraham that he would have a son, it did not happen right away. In fact, it was during the interim time that Abraham's faith was tested, whether or not he would believe God that even as an old man, he would have a child. Perhaps you know the story that he thought maybe God did not fully understand all that it took for it to happen. And so he said, I'm going to try another way. And instead of waiting for the promise, he ended up trying another option, which involved Hagar. And because of that, trouble in this world has continued ages upon ages. The children of Hagar have always been enemies of the children of Sarah. Abraham took it into his own hands to see if he could help fulfill the will and the word of God. But God says, no, what I told you in the beginning is still what's going to happen. Even though you had a child with Hagar, my promise will come true for you. I'm here to tell you that sometimes we try to fix things in our own power and we try to kind of maneuver our way. But how gracious God is. He doesn't look down and throw us away because we make a mistake, but he's willing to say, I'm willing to continue to lead you if you're willing to follow. And God took Abraham, gave him his son and fulfilled his promise. God has a promise for every single one of you in this place, and he will fulfill his promise for you. But sometimes that promise won't be fulfilled in a way that we expect. Habakkuk sat up on the watchtower and he was saying, God, I need an answer. It seems like we are being decimated by your enemies. Lord, what are you going to do? God responds, I'm going to give you a vision. And this vision may take some time, but this vision will indeed come to pass. The challenging part of this vision, and oftentimes when we read this portion of scripture, we think about the fact that a vision is going to be fulfilled and that we think of the positive side of that. And that's very true. There are wonderful, positive things that God will work out in our lives. But what had happened is the nation of Israel had turned away from God. So God was indeed using the enemies of him as well as of his people to make clear a statement that when you say you're worshiping God and you're worshiping false gods at the same time, that God doesn't take that lightly. 
So there was a purification that had to happen. And I'll leave this reading up to you. But now if you would go ahead in your own time and read the rest of the vision in that chapter, things move from bad to worse. The actual vision that God gave to Habakkuk that would indeed be fulfilled was including terrible things to come upon the land. It wasn't something where everything's going to become easy and all of a sudden we're all going to be prosperous again. But rather God was saying because there has been consistent disobedience, now there's going to have to be a cleansing. And in order for the kingdom of God to advance, there had to be a purification process. And that vision would indeed come to pass. God's work is always a work of a process in our lives. But in this work and in this process, God always sees our hearts. And Habakkuk was a representative of God's people. But God knew Habakkuk's heart. And God cared for Habakkuk. And God would protect him. But Habakkuk was a spokesperson. And as he was speaking, he was speaking of things to come. He heard God's word and in uh, chapter 3... He calls out to God and he says, I'm, uh, verse 2, I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. And in this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember your mercy. See, for us to really get a solution to our problem, we have to understand what the problem is. If we gloss over it and think, oh, there is no problem, then we will never really have a solution. But when we allow the Holy Spirit to identify the issue, then we can begin by allowing the Holy Spirit to come in and make whatever changes need to be made in our lives. For you and I, friends, there is a period of a, of a purification and a process in every one of our lives that needs to happen. And I want to share a few things with you from some other portions of Scripture. Beginning now uh, with the book of James, if you would turn with me there. The book of James chapter 1 in verse 2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. I want to pause there for a moment. This is a very difficult thing, I believe, for all of us to fully get our head and our heart around. Because it's not normal when you face a trial and a challenge, a trouble of any kind, it says, to look at that and go, woohoo! Pure joy. Looking forward to this one. And yet, that's exactly what it tells us to do. To look forward to it with a positive understanding of what God is doing through it. You see, the vision that God had given to Habakkuk was ultimately a good vision. But it had trials mixed in. Why? Because there had to be this purification. Israel had to go through a shaking up so that God's purposes could be fulfilled in its light. Uh, Israel would have never been able to accomplish what God wanted it to if God said, oh, the whole kit and caboodle, yeah, everything's just fine. I'm going to prosper you and everything will go well. The worshipers of idols would still continue to worship idols. And there would have been no purification to bring and welcome the blessings of the Lord. 
But whenever God cleans house, when he's cleaning, it's all for a purpose. So it'll all smell fresh and clean when it's all done. Every trial God brings us through is always for a good purpose. And if we're willing to say, Lord, I trust you in this. I don't understand exactly why it's happening. I may not see the step-by-step process, but I know you do. And I know you love me and you have promised to protect me. So I'm going to stand upon your promise. God has called you and I to endurance. In this verse, it says that when, uh, when your faith is tested, your endurance will have a chance to grow. In the NIV, it says perseverance. In the King James, it says patience. Endurance, perseverance, patience. These are things that are not easy for us to be able to make happen in our lives. But it's what happens when we find ourselves in the moment of, of, uh, of great pressure. You'll find that if, if you're sitting in a traffic jam uh, and uh, you're due to be somewhere, that your level of patience automatically becomes evident because you'll feel begin churning within you your natural response. Uh, when you uh, go through some difficulty, you're working on a house and you slam the hammer on your finger, all of a sudden you determine what's in your heart by what comes out of your mouth, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. And so these moments where you feel like uh, you, you don't have a whole lot of control over, but it shows what's really there. And so when you see that happening, like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I said that. Or, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I reacted that way in a traffic jam. That's not really who I am. But the truth is, is that's what's inside. We may not like it, but that's what's there. And so we have to deal with it. How are we going to deal with it? Trials. Troubles. Difficult situations. God says, you want to have more patience? Do you want to be more, uh, be able to persevere through the challenge? Do you want to be able to endure when things get tough? Then we're going to go ahead and we're going to go through the, the grilling situation again so that the next time you're in that situation, what comes out will demonstrate patience. When you're sitting in that situation of a traffic jam that all of a sudden this welling up within you of your sinful nature will not have the upper advantage. But rather the spirit of the living God will have the upper advantage because you've dealt with that. And then it says in verse 4, talking about our perseverance, our endurance, our patience. It says, let it grow. You have a part in this. When we pray to God and say, God, teach us your ways. God, grow us. God will do it, but we have a part to play. We don't just sit on the sidelines and watch God do his thing. God says, I work with you if you're willing to work with me. And when we allow his spirit to work with us, then we're going to grow to become the men, the women that God intend for us to be. And then what happens? Your endurance becomes fully developed. And it says you will be perfect, complete, needing nothing. That's a great state to be, isn't it? Needing nothing. I love the version of Psalm 23 that says, The Lord is my shepherd. And you might be very familiar with the, the next part that says, I shall not want. But the, uh, another translation of that says, I have all that I need. Now, sometimes that's a hard statement to get our head around. Why? Because we feel like we've got stuff that we need. Now, the truth is, is that you and I have more than we think we have. It's just that you may not have it in your hand at the moment. If I were to walk uh, up to any of you and say, well, how much money do you have? Well, uh, in your mind, you're going to think of how much money 
is in your possession. It's not necessarily how much is in your wallet at the moment. See, many of us do not realize that what we have access to in our spiritual bank account is so much more than what we have in our wallet at the moment. God has made available to us many riches and blessings that not just monetarily, but spiritually, that we may not realize that we have access to. In fact, in the book of 2 Peter, it says these words. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. By his divine power, God has given us everything. Would you say everything? Everything that we need for living a godly life. God hasn't left any of it out for you or for me. He goes on to say we have received all this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the corruption caused by human desires. God has given to you and to me everything we need to live a godly life. And yet, don't we find ourselves in situations at times that it's difficult for us to fully grasp that we have what we need? The Holy Spirit has often challenged me to remember what God has promised me. Because in those moments, if I only focus on my deficit and I think, oh God, I don't have this, oh God, I don't have that. And I forget the provider. Then I forget that I've got a bank account that I actually have money in that I can go to and get what I need when I need it. And I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I need extra patience today. I need wisdom today. James says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and does not rebuke us for asking. What a precious thought that is. All of us have needs uh, for particular wisdom in decisions, in our family, in our jobs, in every, every circumstance. The truth is, is that until you and I recognize that we're not smart enough to do all the stuff that we're in charge of, only then can we truly find the grace of God. Because God gives grace to the humble, but he despises the proud. A proud person says, I've got everything I need, but not in God, in me. A proud person says, I am the source of everything that I need. I don't need your help. I don't need God's help. I, I'll, I'm smart enough on my own and I'll work this out. That person is always going to have a struggle in life because they have no access to a spiritual bank account. They can't withdraw because they have not humbled themselves. But when you humble yourself before the Lord and you say, God, I'm not smart enough, I don't have enough ability to be able to bring in all the resources. I can't even provide for my family if you don't help me do it. When you begin to do that, you watch and you see God begins to give you things you've never had before. It comes with humility and a dependence upon the living God. And when you and I begin to depend upon the Lord, we see the windows of heaven open and God provide what we need. It says in the next part of 2 Peter chapter 1, continuing on in verse 4, these promises enable us to share God's divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. 
In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. This is back to our responsibility. This is what we are supposed to do. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more that you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a good feeling when you can be productive and useful for the Lord, isn't it? You know, the the productive and useful person is the one that's going to hear the words on that final day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Welcome into the joy of your Lord. Productive and useful. When Jesus told the parable of the talents, he rewarded the productive and the useful ones with double of what they had. The person who had two got four cities that he became responsible for. The person who had five had doubled his talents, and so he, got, he became ruler over ten cities. The person who got the one talent but did nothing, was not productive, and was not useful, what happened? It was taken away from him what he already had. This is an important point. Just because God gave you something doesn't mean that you automatically are being productive and useful in it. We have to take that and put it to good use for the glory of God. So I want to ask you this question. The gift that God has given you, and he has, every single one of us in this room have at least one gift from God. Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit distributes them as he sees fit. How are you using the gift that God has given to you? How am I using the gift that God has given to me? Because when we stand before God, our productive and usefulness is going to be uh, reviewed by our Heavenly Father. Now listen to what happens to the person who uh, does not add to their faith these things. Verse 9 says, those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted, blind, and forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. When a person accepts Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes in and washes us clean. We are a new creation. The old has passed away. Everything has become new. Praise the Lord. Drug addicts don't have to be drug addicts anymore. Alcoholics don't have to be alcoholics anymore. Those of us who have been in whatever kind of chain, those chains don't have to bind us anymore. We have been set free, and the scripture says that he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Those are the promises of God for you and for me. But we have to walk in that freedom. It's not an automatic thing. If you choose, having once been chained by something, to walk around it and allow your eyes to be enticed by it. Those chains that bound you once can bind you again. Don't take for granted that because you were once set free that those chains can never get attached to you again. Be careful. Use wisdom. And as you live your life, stay away from those things that dishonor God. Don't play with the fire. 
because it will grab you once again. But the power of the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And that's why you know you've been in the situation. You're going into something maybe that was a bit tempting in your past life. It used to have a hold on you and the Holy Spirit says to you, it's probably not a good idea to go there. It's probably not a good idea to watch that or to listen to this. Now the decision is up to you. The Holy Spirit is not going to tie your hands behind your back and make you make the right decision. He is simply going to give you a little nudge and then it's your choice. And when you say, oh God, I don't want what I used to have. I don't want those chains to bind me anymore. So I'm going to add to my faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness. I'm going to get rid of that in my life. I don't want any part of that. You're going to take the natural step of turning away, uh, turning away and walking the other direction. The scripture says that there is no temptation that has taken any of us that God will not provide a way of escape from. None of us can effectively in this room say, well, the temptation was just too great for me to bear. And so it's not my fault. We can't say that. The wonderful thing about God is he is always in the business of guiding us out of that situation. He puts a big exit sign on the door and he says, get out while the getting good and he lights it up for us and it's our choice whether we stay in the room and if we stay we pay the price but if we see that exit sign that the holy spirit shows us and we're like i'm getting out now and when you get out of that situation whatever that is whether it's changing the channel whether it's getting off of of, of this or, or or walking down the right aisle in the grocery store the holy spirit has to be the one to guide you watch your eyes they're the windows to your soul. Watch your ears. And as we allow the Holy Spirit to teach us these things, then we become more useful and effective. When we, throughout the day or throughout the week, allow the flesh to have its rule in our lives, and then if we come together on a Sunday morning and we worship God, we can do that. Our hands will still go up. Our voices can still sing. God doesn't shut them down. But the truth is, is that it's not as effective as when we are living by the Spirit day by day. And when you come in this room as we gather as a church body and we come before the Lord with hearts that are pure before him, that throughout the week have said no to sin and yes to God, and all of a sudden there is usefulness and there is the power of the Holy Spirit able to move through our lives because we have fully surrendered to him. Say, God, have your way in my life, not only on a Sunday morning or a time when we gather in your presence, but rather every single day of my life, whether someone's watching me or not. You and me, you and I have been cleansed from our past sins. Glory to God. I'm no longer the Joseph I used to be because of the blood of Jesus. And even if you grew up in church and you can't identify some major area of your life where you walked away from the Lord, the scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're not the same that you used to be. And if you cannot identify a time of transformation in your life, and you've come to the conclusion that from a child you have never done anything wrong, then we need to have a discussion. Because the Holy Spirit wants transformation. And I mean that honestly. Because I've talked to people 
that have spoken to me and said, you know what, I've been good all my life. I've served God, never done anything wrong. And right from the get-go, I've said, all right, I hear you out. But until we can come to a different conclusion, we don't have a foundation we can work with because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Spirit of God is not going to be able to work with us when we think we've got it all together. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord. And when we do, God can move. So God wants to grow us. He wants to grow our endurance. He wants us to be strong in Him and in the power of His might. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 Hebrews 10.35 says, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will and then you will receive all that he has promised. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation God's asked you to do something hard and you've done it and the the answer that you were looking for didn't come immediately God tells us that once you have done the will of God you have need of patience so that perseverance can work any of you who are following the Lord with all of your heart and you've laid it all before God and said God here I am then you have to be willing to wait for God to fulfill his timing. And if you're willing to wait, then you will receive the promise of God. It's on its way. Don't worry about that part. All you need to be concerned about is, is, is my heart in the right place while I wait? And the best thing for you and I to do is while we're waiting for the fulfillment of the vision for our lives is to worship the Lord. Because sometimes when our mind is all on, oh, well, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And we haven't allowed ourselves to rest in the Lord. You and I can find a peace when we know that God is at work and that in his time, he will fulfill his plan. It's important that we wait with perseverance. You need to be able to trust God while you're waiting. And that's part of the test. Are we willing to trust that God will fulfill what he is going to do in our lives? Verse 37 in Hebrews 10 says, In just a little while the coming one will come and not delay, and my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones whose souls will be saved. May it be for every one of us in this room that the race that we have begun to run, that we do not give up, that we must persevere. Trials do come. Trials will come our way. But when we go through those trials, God is growing us. Our spiritual muscles are growing and God is going to strengthen us so that we'll be able to handle the battle that is coming our way. You know, sometimes we face things that really do involve ourselves alone. Maybe you deal with something that deals with your health. Maybe you're dealing with something that deals with your own family. But here's what God wants to grow you to. So that not only will your eyes be able to focus on your own issue, but that you'll be able to see the bigger picture of how God cares about others. Because you and I have work to do. 
Oftentimes, the people most useful for the kingdom of God are the ones who have gone through great personal challenge. And those who make it through and have trusted the Lord are now ready for an assignment to help others in this world who don't even know Jesus, who are also going through a great personal challenge. You can't really guide someone else if you haven't at least allowed the Holy Spirit to guide you. So this is where God is working. God brings you through a trial to prepare you so you can be a blessing. God walks you through something on how you're supposed to pray through this, how you're supposed to believe God and seek in faith. And so that now someone comes up to you and goes, I don't know what to do. My whole life is shattered. And you're like, I don't know what to do either. That's not helpful. You can say, well, I don't have all the answers, but I do know this. God has made me a promise and I'm going to stand upon it. And I want to encourage you to stand with me. I'm going to pray with you. God is going to hear and he is going to answer. You'll have something to say because the Holy Spirit has already spoken to you and you're just echoing what God has already told you. I'm grateful for everyone sitting in these chairs. But there are a lot of people that are not in these chairs in the city of Springfield that God loves dearly. And the only way we're going to reach them for the glory of God is not just, and we need to, not just inviting them to church. That's good. But what is this place? What do we do here? What are we about? God has called us to be on mission. Every single one of us should be active for the kingdom of God. God has given us assignments for his kingdom's purposes. That's why Pastor Zach is doing this project for Undies Sunday so that we can reach out to care for those who are in need. That's what Jesus would do. He would reach out. And there's more we're going to do for the glory of God as well. But we got to start somewhere. I'm going to believe God over the next three weeks that we as a church body will be able to raise at least a thousand pairs of one or the other, of something that Pastor Zach mentioned, to be able to give to that rescue mission. I believe that's possible. Most of us in this room have our basic needs met. And we need to care about the lost. And we need to reach out as it relates to the practical. And as we do, then God will allow us to bless other people in the supernatural. Jesus started with the natural needs of the people. And then he moved to the supernatural. When the people were hungry and starving, what did he do? He said, uh, let's have some food. He said to his disciples, uh, you go ahead and take care of that problem. And they said, uh, excuse me, we don't have anything. And Jesus said to his disciples, oh, okay, I see that you don't recognize what we have in our bank account. Uh, because my heavenly father has access to everything. And so you go ahead and just get the people in groups of 50. And I'll take care of that part. He would bring me the loaves and the fishes and Jesus begins to multiply them. As he multiplies them, he gives them to the people and he demonstrates to them his care for them in their natural state. So you and I have to reach out in that way. Go to Walmart, go to your favorite store, buy underwear. Let's care for these people for the glory of God. And as we reach out and we care in that way, then we get inroads to share with them. Okay, now we demonstrate that we truly care about you, about your body. How about your soul? We can clothe you for a little while, but when you leave this earth, it's critical that you be prepared for heaven. 
My prayer is that us as a church, that we will be active in our communities for the glory of God, because that's how we demonstrate the love of Christ. Saying I love you is good, but showing I love you is real. And may God help us to show the lost that we love them. God is going to grow us. He's going to take us through some challenges in this church. But he's going to take us through them. And I want to encourage you. Uh, when the going gets tough, stand firm. Don't be moved around by every emotion that comes your way. If God has called you to this church, stand firm. If he calls you elsewhere, you listen to his voice. But it's very important that you remain committed to what God has called you to do. Because God did not simply call us to shop around for how we're going to be committed for his purpose and for his kingdom. He has called us to remain committed for his purposes. Every one of us go through challenges in one way or another individually. We also go through challenges in our families. But God has called us to remain committed and steadfast. So I want to challenge you. Hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And ask him what he wants you to do to be an active part in the kingdom of God locally. And if he has called you to be here, remain faithful and steadfast. And as you are steadfast, God is going to use you not only to bless this body, but to bless this community for the glory of God. We need each other. I need you. You need me. We need each other. And we need to rely on one another. And when, when things get tough and when things are not easy, that's where we have to stick to it and say, oh, God, give me the patience that I need. And God will. As Habakkuk said, I'm going to sit on the watchtower and I'm going to wait for what God will say. I want to encourage you to listen, to listen for the voice of the Lord in your own heart, to speak to you as to what he's going to tell you to believe him for. There are certain missions God sends us on as a church body, but then there are also many missions that God gives to us. We all don't have the same giftings. Some of us are not expected to do certain things. Because that's not the gift God's given to us. But what gift has God given you? And what, how are you using that for his glory? And when you use that for his glory, he will give you more ability, just as he did for those who used their talents in the parable that he shared. May God help us to see the big picture. And may God give us a perspective that even when we're going through a difficult season and a difficult time, that we stick with it, that we don't give up, and that we remain steadfast. Patience doesn't come easy, but it comes to those who are committed for the glory of God. Let's close ourselves in with God for just a moment. And I'm going to ask if, you're, if the worship team could please come on up. And if you're here today and you don't know about how much the Lord truly loves you to the point where you've surrendered yourself to experience his peace and his joy, I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for you that involves you walking in joy and in peace. And if you're not experiencing that, God wants you to know that it's fully available to you today. The Holy Spirit says today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to any of us. So as you, as you come before the Lord today, if you're in this place and you would say, Pastor, I, I want to make a decision to follow Jesus. 
I want to give my life over to him so that I can be useful and productive for his glory. Jesus wants to forgive all of your sin. He wants to cleanse you and make you a brand new man, a brand new woman. And he will do that when you ask him to. And so right now, if you're in this place and you'd say, I want to make that choice, would you just simply raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray with you that the spirit of the living God will come inside of you and make you a brand new person today. If there's anyone, this is your chance. I see your hand, sister, and I see yours. Is there anyone else this morning? I see yours in the back. And I see yours and yours. More important, God sees you. He loves you. He cares for you. Is there anyone else this morning that needs to make that choice? I never rush past this because this is so critical. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him should not perish but have eternal life. That's for you today. For those of you who raised your hand, we're going to pray a prayer together. There's nothing magical about the words. And the leading is simply something to provide a guide. But the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that we will be saved. And as Diane mentioned this morning, our names will be written in the book of life. And that's exactly what God's going to do for you as you surrender your heart completely to him. Church family, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. We're going to pray it together. And those of you who raised your hands, when you pray this prayer, just mean it from your heart and talk to the Lord, and he's going to answer your prayer today. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I acknowledge this morning that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask for your forgiveness for all of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay my debt. I accept your free gift of salvation and I welcome your Holy Spirit to come into my heart to clean it and to make me a brand new person. I choose from this day forward to live my life to honor you and obey your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord praise. The Bible says when one soul is saved, all of the angels in heaven rejoice. For those of you who raised your hand, I would love to talk to you just briefly for a few minutes after the service. And I want to ask you now, for all the rest of us in this place, no doubt we're going through some challenge. But God wants to give you perseverance. And I want more perseverance. I need it. When tough times come, I don't want to give up. I want to be faithful to the end. Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So here's what we're going to do. Just a moment. You're going to have an opportunity to be able to get a refueling of the encouragement of the Lord to help you to stand firm through the storm. If you're going through something difficult, God wants to give you stamina. 
and any trial that he brings your way, he's not going to tell you to go through it alone. He says, my rod and my staff will comfort you even through the valley of the shadow of death. So when you say, God, give me patience and he brings a trial, you say, oh God, I know you're going to walk with me through this and I know you're going to give me stamina and strength. It may sound a little strange, but that's the way it works. You walk through the trial, you go through the fire, and when you come out like the three Hebrew children unburned, all of a sudden you got a new spring in your step because you know that the God you believe in is for real. He walks you through it. It's not just a matter of saying, I believe God, I believe God, but it's seeing as like, wow, I really do believe God. God is going to get me through this week. He's going to help me through this challenge. He is going to be faithful to you, and he's going to give you the stamina to stick through it before you walk into that fiery furnace because you're going to have the chance to bow out, but the Holy Spirit's going to help you not to. So I will worship God alone and I will not give in to pressure. If that's you, as the worship team sings this next song, I welcome you to make your way to this altar to simply say, God, I choose to remain steadfast in my storm. I will believe and I will not give up hope. I will trust you and I will wait for your vision to be fulfilled in my life no matter the length of time because I know that you are perfect in your timing. If that's you this morning and you need an extra dose of the stamina, of the encouragement of the Lord to be able to sustain you through the storm, then you find your way to this altar and as we worship the Lord, uh, don't be surprised if the Holy Spirit fills you with the joy of the Lord while you're kneeling or standing at this altar because that's the kind of God we serve. He says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. I'm going to be here with you this morning asking God to pour out his strength on my life so that I will be able to stand firm through the storm. If that's you, then this is an open invitation for you to come as the worship team leads us this morning in the presence of the Lord.